Today is a first. I'm having tea with a couple, Nish and Kristen. They've both spent much of their adult lives living as missionaries in Sri Lanka. Through faith, compassion, and the teachings of Christ, they are called to share the gospel, serve those in need, and bring the light of God to the communities of that country. Their mission is to spread the love of Jesus, inspire faith, and make a positive impact on the lives of others for the greater glory of God. Their ministry, the Bud Center, provides support, compassion, and education to empower individuals and communities to lead better lives, embrace the values of living for Christ, and fostering understanding, unity, and a positive change in that culture. Welcome to Tea Time with Gino. Today I have with me Nish and Kristen from Sri Lanka. I know um, a couple of weeks ago you guys shared. Thank you for joining me for tea, by the way. Appreciate it. Um, and it's nice to have a Sri Lankan joining me for a Sri Lankan tea. So that's nice. But I wanted to have this podcast with you because um, last week or a couple of weeks ago, the both of you shared in front of our church and you shared about the Bud Center. But I wanted to, it's been a while since we've heard your story. And so Westside has a lot of new members now, and I feel like it'd be good for our current congregation, the current people at Westside, just to see that who, who the two of you are. You're from Sri Lanka, Nish, and Kristen, you're from PG, Canada, as white can be, and you ended up in Sri Lanka. So there's a story there. How did that happen? How did you end up in Sri Lanka and uh, get married there and start... Um, a missionary life there. How did that all happen? Can you take us back? Rewind it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I graduated from here, uh, 2001, I believe it was. And, uh, I took a year off. I didn't head straight to college or university and I was wondering what path was for me. And, um, in that time, my sister was approached to do a missions trip with my grandpa, Arlo Johnson, who was the pastor of the church at the time. And, uh, she's like, yeah, um, um, a group of us girls want to go to Sri Lanka. I'm just not so sure about it. And suddenly a great interest sparked in me. Like somehow I have to go on this trip. This and, was a grad uh, trip? Um, no, it was. Um, it's a church trip. Yeah, it was a church okay. trip. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the girls that were going were a year and a bit younger than me because they were my sister's age. But my sister wasn't so interested in it. And so somehow I weaseled my way in there. And sure enough, here I am uh, with five girls heading to Sri Lanka. And interesting, when I said yes, um, I didn't even know where Sri Lanka was on the map. <laughs> and um, But I was just like, I need to do something because I'm not sure of what direction my life is going in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went, and it was a shock of my life, a place so different from what I was used to. <laughs> Couldn't be night and day different more than Canada. And uh, we spent about four weeks in Sri Lanka, and it was a challenge. Uh, Grandpa is a great missions leader where he, he really fed us to the wolves almost <laughs> on this missions trip, gave us every possible challenge. And anyhow, uh, I said by the end of this trip, I will never go back to Sri Lanka again. Um, was, but never say never. Was this the trip with Carrie? Yes. So I went with Carrie, with Carrie Jolene, yeah. Jessica, um, and Amber. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So five of us girls. Yeah. So that grade 12 year, were you at a point where like a lot of grade 12s are? Like you just come out of high school where you've been told where to go every single day, your classes every single day, and now you're in the world and you're like just you have all these forks in the road going, which direction do I want to go? Did you feel like torn like back and forth? Like was, was that a difficult decision? Yeah. Like I was, um, like what was your other option? Go to Sri Lanka or? Yeah, it was go to Sri Lanka or go to college university. Yeah. One of those two. And I was just like, school wasn't my forte. Yeah. I wasn't the best of students. Um, I wasn't, um, I didn't have a specific direction. Yeah. I was thinking I was leaning towards teaching, but then a lot of people in my life were suggesting other things. So it left me very confused. Yeah. And I was really at a point in my life where I was like, God, I want you, I want to do what you want me to do in my life. And so 
direct me and I was struggling to find that direction. So obviously seeds were planted when you were there that trip because you said you're never going to go back, but here you are and you live there now most, most of your adult life. So what seeds were planted then? So it was actually at a street kids camp, a children's ministry that both Nish and I had worked with. Um, I hadn't met him. He was actually in India while I was on this trip. So he wasn't in the equation, but we were at a street kids camp and I felt very like, I didn't even want to touch these kids. I thought they were filthy. I thought they were, I didn't know what, I couldn't communicate with them. So I kept my distance, but there was was, candy. um, We actually took them to Hatton Okay, and they were kids from the streets of candy um, that we took. And uh, it was one night we kind of did a prayer and worship time with these kids. And there was one little girl, she was kind of off to the side and I just felt God say, like, go and comfort her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. I can't even speak anything to her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I ended up holding her and she just kind of wept in my arms and I wept with her. And it was just kind of like God put a love through me that was like beyond me and yet it was so tangible and it captured I think her heart and mine because I remember leaving that camp and uh, she sat on my lap the entire trip home Um, Um, so it touched her and it touched me deeply and I left Sri Lanka saying I would never go back there but that couldn't leave my heart Mm -hmm. that moment and it was just like he downloaded a love for a people that I never imagined I could have but Mm -hmm. I knew it came from him it was also interesting because the 01 02 03 like those are the years were the tail end of a very long civil war as well right which you probably were you probably saw remnants of just soldiers and checkpoints and things like that. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I remember it was right around the April uh, New Year. And so us five girls, knowing the Civil War was taking place, we Mm -hmm. heard these firecrackers going off, but actually we didn't think they were firecrackers. We actually thought this war is like right in our backyard. Yeah, someone's being gunned (laughs) down. (laughs) So it wasn't legit that it was in our backyard. Um, But yeah, we saw evidence of it, definitely in the checkpoints and certain things. And we, we couldn't go to certain areas of the country yeah. because of it. So when was your, so you came out, I'm not going to do this again, but seeds were already planted. When was your second trip? So then the following year, grandpa was going to take another group and it was a larger group. Um, and I was just like, I have to be a part of that. Yeah. But I had committed to um, attending CNC at the time too. So it was a little bit conflicting, but I made a way to go and um, I went on the trip and at the end of the trip, Grandma and Grandpa were, or Arlo and Glenna were going to stay longer. And I was like, can I extend my ticket and stay with you? And they're like, aren't you going to college? And I was like, right, I have commitments at home. Okay. But I, it just kind of confirmed this was what God was placing in my heart so deeply that he'd given me something for this place. And so I was just like, well, you know what? I can go back to my plans in Canada, but I know my direction is Sri Lanka. So I better direct my studies to strategically line up to yeah. get myself back there. And you still, Nisha was still not in the picture at this time? Oh, so on that second trip, actually, um, he was at a camp or two, a few of the programs. And uh, he was just an acquaintance. There was nothing of interest at that time. He was one of the guys that stood out to a lot of people on our team because he was um, a strong leader at some of the ministry camps and he was definitely a fun guy. So he caught my attention, but not in the way like... Hmm, this yep. guy is cute. It yep. was just more like, wow, there's a he's just doing, great he's minister he's he's doing yeah, yeah. Of, for children. Yeah. And so that so, was the extent of it. Nish, I'm going to jump to you here. So when she was her first trip, her second trip, you were in India doing some ministry. What was, what was that 2001, 2003? Like, what did that look like? What were you doing then? Well, yeah, I was in India. I was doing... Almost same thing, street kid ministry actually. Where in, in uh, India? In New Delhi, Noida. Oh, okay. I was a new city okay. under the bridge. Um, we were <coughs> working with Vibram, but mm-hmm. I was street kid ministry. And mm-hmm. then I came back to Sri Lanka and I worked with the organization that she came to work with. It's called Kids Ridge. Mm-hmm. And I was a staff there after that. And uh, yeah, that's where we first seen the first time I think I've seen Kristen. So, question for you. When Sri Lanka was in that type of state, like where Sri Lanka needed a lot of help, what made you go, oh, I'm going to leave this and go to India and help them? Well, it was a long story. Um, okay. 
I I ran away from home when yeah. I was small. Uh, around, uh, I wanted to learn English actually, so okay. I went with a rich family. Uh, they said they will teach me English and um, they will take me as a kid. So I went with them, and then uh, somehow I became a slave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't get paid, mm-hmm. so considered it's a slave slavery. Mm-hmm. And I look after some kids. Mm-hmm. Um, had really hard time. It was not an easy family to be with, uh, and uh, I had to sleep outside lots mm-hmm. um, in the dark and uh, mosquitoes, you know, like Sri Lanka, right? Mm-hmm. And so many things and. One night I prayed when I was in grade 10. So I went almost four or five years with them. And grade 10 was my, I started praying, you know, like kind of sort of like I was blaming God. Mm -hmm. Um, Why did you bring me here? You know, and outside I was sitting outside and went under a jack tree and started praying and shouting. Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly I don't know whether anybody will believe that God spoke to me, mm-hmm. uh, saying, Janaka, that's mm-hmm. my name. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, I took you to this family, not by accident. It's just to show you something that I want you to do. Mm-hmm. So then I knew my heart was for uh, hurting kids. Mm-hmm. Then I, right away, I called my dad mm-hmm. next day, and he came with his, post, uh, what do you call this? Bicycle. Bicycle yeah. and took me home. Yeah. Then I, I was like, I wanted to finish studies. Um, then I went to school, finished my O-levels, and uh, finished my A-levels. I was selected to university. Yeah. But then God kept reminding me, you know, yes, stu- yes, education is good, but I call you for something else. Mm. Then I went and shared with my pastor. And he's like, I see that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's opportunities. What do you want to do? I said, I wanted to do kids ministry. Then... There was opportunity in Nepal mm-hmm. um, to study uh, children ministry, principles of youth and kids ministry, mm-hmm. child ministry. So I went there for six months. Then I worked with, uh, learned there and worked there and came to India. Then worked all my few years, actually, mm-hmm. I don't know, for four years, around four years uh, in India with street kids. It was amazing. And I got to love them the way, you know, like I never thought because I knew the experience, how they sleep outside, what they eat, you know, how how much abuse they get. Mm-hmm. And I experienced those and I knew how to relate to them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I started. How old were you when you were going through that challenging part? Like teen, late teenager, early yeah. 20s? Yeah, I was 18 uh, yeah. when I went to Nepal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Were you born a Christian? No. I no. Was What's your background before? I'm born and brought up in a Buddhist family. Okay. Um, Mom, Mom and dad both. Or whole. Everybody. We are from Kandy. Yeah. Kandy is mainly the Buddhist city. All of Sri Lanka is pretty much Buddhist. Yes. It, right? And now, especially Kandy. It's yeah. the kingdom of Buddhism. Yeah. So we were Buddhist. But there was a mm, kind of like Sunday school thing came to village. And we were, you know, like attending that. But it's just like for the fun. You know? Yeah. And then we knew little but when uh, I decided to do the YWAM school that's where I really commit myself Mm -hmm. to do my missions Mm -hmm. and during school time actually after school like you know I I tell my kids like those days we were outside till 11 evening you know like in the Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. with our uniforms we wear white Mm -hmm. and I walk home from sometimes like 8 kilometers right but this is after prayer meetings. We were committed for that. Yeah, I need to step in there because this yeah, is where it, it kind of comes in. My grandpa keeps acknowledging Arlo Johnson that yeah. he met Nish before me. And it's true. Nish, um, we were actually digging through some albums at Grandma and Grandpa's and we found this picture of a Bible study Grandpa was attending and leading. And there was Nish in his school uniform wow. in this picture. Wow. So he's talking about these meetings that he went to and, and he happens photo. to meet my grandpa at one yeah. of them as well. Those are like really neat God moments, eh? How they just kind of all come turn around. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a question for either you or you. So you saw... You had the first initial like seeing Nish, but you just thought it was just a ministry thing, crowds of people. How did you, when you saw her, did you have the same type of 
thing or this is just another person that's just here from a foreign land working with God? Or did you go, that's the person I'm going to marry? Wow. I didn't know that time, actually. But I saw, you know, like, um, uh, the, what do you call the the desire to work with kids? Mm-hmm. Like, there was... Um, like, kid, that's the first thing you saw in yes, her? That's what you missed? Yeah. The, even though they didn't speak the language, they were very good with kids. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, all the team actually came. And uh, Christine was there. I remember short hair. And uh, st- I still remember stripy shirt she was yeah. wearing and yeah. holding a straight kid. Yeah. And, yeah. Then I we knew they were helping lots with yeah. our ministry, too. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Kristen, the years that you... Cause now, before marriage, how many trips did you make to Sri Lanka? Okay, so I had made those first two yeah. um, under Arlo Johnson. And then I, again, I went back to my CNC plan. Yeah. And um, I did about a year and I couldn't, I just couldn't sit still there. Yeah. Like it was just like Sri Lanka was calling my name or yeah. the Lord was directing my uh, steps. And so um, I just... I just threw caution to the wind and I was just like, I know I need to go back there Mm -hmm. and this organization will take me as I am. Mm -hmm. And I know I can do a lot if I just operate in the Lord, like Mm -hmm. his guidance and the Holy Spirit, he'll direct my steps. He'll give me what I need to do, Mm -hmm. what he wants me to do. And so I told my family, I'd love to go back to Sri Lanka for a year Mm -hmm. on my own. (laughs) And, um, uh, you know, there might have been some reservations from them, but I think they supported it because yeah. obviously I was able to go and I, I made all the arrangements and I I headed there. I think it was a year probably after that last trip with the missions team that I ventured out on my own. And it was later, I think, 2003 yeah. um, that I arrived there and I worked full-time with Kids Reach organization. So you can speak Sinhalese now a little bit or yeah. pretty fluently? Yeah, I can manage. How did you, in the early years, how did you get over the language barrier? Oh, it was hard. And I wouldn't say I succeeded in the beginning because yeah. I was working with a lot of youth and young people yeah. who made jokes out of it, right? So, you know, anytime a white person would say a word in Sinhala, it was just a laughing yeah. moment for them. So it was just more of a joke. So and mean. So, so, yeah, mean. it was hard to take serious. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I don't even know if they're teaching me just like yeah. bad words or yeah. just like joking stuff. Yeah. So I, I can't take this seriously. Yeah. So I didn't. I, But most of the staff I worked with could all communicate in English. Now, Sri Lanka, they were under the British rule, right? So a lot of them can manage um, basic English. It can be very broken. but uh, It was that universal language that was yeah. kind of around in yeah. good little so pockets around the country. you could get away without country. learning yeah. it. And so it was a deterrent. Yeah. Yeah, but um, a few months into that trip, actually, Nish and I had got to know each other a little more through just working together and being around youth. And um, again, it wasn't like love at first sight. I think we just really appreciated one mm-hmm. another for our talents and our abilities, and uh, we really respected one another. Um, but it was on a trip with some youth where I think some sparks started to fly, and we were mm-hmm. just like, hmm. But we both didn't even really speak it to one yeah. another, and it, it really took time for us to kind of get grips because I was so focused on God wants me here. It's all about missions. Yeah. It's all about His plan. I wasn't like looking for that special one there. It wasn't on my radar. Yeah. So by then you already decided that the missionary lifestyle is the way that I'm being called to go. Yeah. 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 Sri Lanka was not about my husband, future husband. It was all about the call of God and the love for the people there and the ministry. Yeah. Interesting because those seeds were planted, the missionary lifestyle for you, Nish, before her, right? You've had it for years and years through just difficult life and wanting to help. Um, so fast forward, now coming to, because at this time, the Bud Center and all of that wasn't even in the works. It wasn't a thought, like nothing, nothing happened. Is that right? It was yeah. just, you were just doing your thing there helping and you were doing your thing helping. So how did it go from the two of you working just in, in a group to going, oh, this is like, I'm going to marry this person? I think we just started to share our dreams and mm-hmm. we just kind of really quickly noticed there's some similarities in what our heart was for and some of our desires. Mm-hmm. And I think he was quite surprised about that I would 
be so headstrong in committing to a place like this that mm-hmm. he was just like, maybe could this work? Um, so it was really, I think we really spent a lot of time in conversation of what our heart is for and what we felt God wanted for us mm-hmm. uh, that really drew us together. Um, and uh, we went through a lot of hard times together. Like we had done a lot of um, intense outreaches. And then we were actually, he was going to take me and a couple of people to India um, to oh. kind of see his uh, side of ministry there. Yeah. He was going to kind of lead that. And then uh, by the end of 2023, or are we talking about, t- sorry, we're talking about 2004, um, a tsunami happened, yeah, right? On yeah. Christmas Day. Yeah. And so, um, we were literally had tickets in the waiting. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to leave December 27th, I believe it was, and everything changed. And um, he ended up heading one direction uh, to help with tsunami relief. I ended up heading another direction. Um, at this point, we had really expressed our uh, our desire to maybe see a future in each other. And we had started to talk with our family just to give them a heads up that we've maybe started something in a relationship for each other, but tsunami just redirected our focus. It kind of like split mm-hmm. us up in a way and uh, it just over got overtook with the circumstances of the country at that time. Mm-hmm. And since then, so when did you get married? We got married January. Well, actually that's a bit tricky. <laughs> our actual wedding was January 20th, 2007, but our marriage certificate says April 24th, 2006. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, because, uh, you know, registration and oh, yes. we did with Christian's mom registration yeah. on January 20th, but... No. April 1, yeah. but we were married in front of a, a garment, what do you call it? Like a, a JP kind of? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That was January. Oh, yes. So that's, why, that's the main thing. And you got married there in Sri Lanka? Yes. Yeah. So because of the Civil War, it really denied Nish's access to Canada. He got denied every single attempt mm-hmm. that he tried to come. And uh, so my mom actually, my parents were actually both supposed to venture over because I think we all knew like Nish was getting ready to propose and we wanted to take some next steps. We wanted to see him come to Canada for a wedding. Um, and my dad last minute had to change plans because of work. So it was my mom that came mm-hmm. and uh, she finally got to meet Nish for the first time and we got engaged on that trip and then we said should we make it official in order to ramp up things to be able to be like we're officially on paper married let him come to Canada to be with his wife so then we could have a wedding uh, before our families and um, he got denied it again actually after that and so it came to a standstill of like what are we going to do and therefore we made the decision that I would go back and my parents gave their blessing for me to go back for a wedding. Uh, but it was me alone yeah. and no family. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, you got, so you had your wedding and then you were individually doing ministries. You just worked like side by side. How did, where, how did God plant the seeds in you to do something now together to start, the bud center or just ministering together, doing your own thing. How did it evolve from two individuals to doing this now together? Like what was some of that? Yeah. So after we got married, uh, we just wanted to start our journey together and we had multiple job opportunities, but we decided to focus in on something that God was specifically. And so we remained in prayer about that. And, um, maybe you tell a bit about what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we both shared actually, uh, visions and everything yeah but then we st- when we came to canada we shared with uncle marlo no, before yeah before we Bef- got oh yeah Be- before we, we wrote down actually lots okay. of things and yeah. we we found that we all both have the same goals, wish, goals yeah. and vision Dreams, and mission yeah. so we were like yes that's what we want to do then yeah. then when we came 2009 uh, we did a kids club together in yeah. sri lanka actually um right after we got married and uh, yeah, it was a successful one. Now we have parents from that in mother's group and mm-hmm. their kids in our center. Mm-hmm. So those, we knew God's doing something. So mm-hmm. then we got together and did 
Bud Center. Yeah, well, yeah. And so we, when we got married in 2007, we stayed for about two and a half years in Sri Lanka, and that wasn't intended. We thought we'd be there for about a year, yeah. and then Nish would be able to immigrate and be in Canada, but it, it dragged out much longer, the immigration process. So yeah, we did ministry full-time, and actually we attended the Lanka Bible College for about a year while we were there together just to like rein in on some things that we wanted to do. And, um, and then, yeah, so finally... April of 2009, Nish was able to immigrate. Um, and we knew we were coming to Canada. It was a season of let's let my family get to know him mm -hmm. finally after we've been married so long. And uh, let's work, let's save some money, maybe start our family. Um, but the goal was always to return to Sri Lanka. And I think in that, the dreams, actually even the property for where the Bud Center um, is situated now was... Um, an opportunity that opened just as we were leaving for Sri Lanka. And so it was really like God was orchestrating things mm -hmm. and he was like, go take your season, but this is what awaits for you um, with that property even that was there. So, yeah. So you know that I'm married to Carrie and she has a Dutch background and I have to talk about this, the cultural difficulties. So when you got into Sri Lanka, what were some of the things that was just a shock? Because you had to navigate through it, right? You just went, wow, these guys, this is how they do things. This is how they live the life. I got to figure this out. Can yeah. you think of and one? And maybe after I answer this, maybe you can share how you and Carrie <laughs> yeah. met. Because I'm really You're curious. You're welcome to ask me questions too. Yeah, yes. I forgot I wanted to ask you Yeah, that. you can ask but, me. But yeah, culturally, yeah. Um, so the respect level is so high in Sri Lanka yeah. for people in authority and... Yep. Uh, seniority and all those things. Everyone's so, an aunt and an uncle. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. And gestures that were so foreign to me of like, um, so Nish's dad always ate, like out of love, um, Nish's mom always let her husband eat first and then she would like respectfully mm. wait upon him and serve him and then she would eat. And it was their... There, it was their respect and love mm -hmm. association. Not that every spouse situation does that, but there was just so many little integral things that it was like that meant such a big amount. Mm -hmm. I had so much meaning behind it. Um, so it was a lot of gestures. It was a lot of things you did. And so there was lots of learning in that. Um, and yeah, maybe some struggles in our marriage yeah. in the learning of them all. <laughs> totally. Because you have the two people living as one now. <laughs> yeah. And Sri Lanka and Canadian mixing together. That's like, there's challenges. And lost in translation. Like, I wouldn't say Nish's English was amazing when I first met yeah, him. So yeah. just like communicating things, it was just like, yeah, you'd yeah. miss something yeah. or he'd say it wrong or I'd say it wrong yeah. or even even your tone in Sri Lanka matters, oh, right? Yeah, everything's a screaming thing. Everything, yeah. every, when they're talking, it's always <laughs> screaming, right? Yeah. So those were... Yeah. yeah, learning so, curves. So, Gino, tell yeah. us how you and Carrie met. I would. Actually, do you mind if I get oh, yeah. Nish? I would absolutely. And part of me is thinking of that still. But I want to know, unless, are you, can you answer that question? Oh, uh, the culture shock. Yeah, so you came to Canada. First of all, Prince George, it's like minus 20, like half the year. That's got to be challenging all on its own. Uh, well, I came to Pearsland first. Yeah. Oh, is that worse That's than Prince George? That's a yes? Really? Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. It was quite cold. April 1st, I came to, so it was very cold for me. Yeah. And, yeah, um, it was a shock for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, coming from a family-oriented country, right? Yeah. Like, it's, but I knew because I worked with lots of uh, Westerners in India and everywhere. So I kind of knew. So I was ready for mm -hmm. things and yeah it was but missing rice and curry was oh a i know the shock. food yeah spices yes <laughs> it was a shock to see eating uh not yep. yeah mashed potatoes and <laughs> yeah and when people use spoons and forks instead oh, of their yeah. hands yeah that's yeah. another <laughs> shock yeah love using my hands yeah 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 was, yeah th those are the Shocks actually, yeah. but um, the family was nice, so it, yeah. it's made so much easy. Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> is uh, we, there was always a common thing. Like I wasn't born and raised Christian. Like my mom was a Catholic, my dad was a Hindu. Mm -hmm. 
So the very thing they didn't want me to do, they did themselves, right? Because I married into a white culture. But like culturally speaking in Sri Lanka, like Hindus and Catholics, they just don't mix. My dad's from Jaffna, my mom's from Kandy. That's a big a no-no as well. So the casting system, I don't know if they still have that. They I mean, in, still have it. They still have it, yeah. So my mom and dad are two different castes. They, they belong to that. So... Anyway, they did that, so I came into this, and and was it was so the explaining what I was going through to my family was very difficult because they always had in their head that he will always marry a Sri Lankan, and when that didn't happen, there was massive issues in that front. Um, but then fast forward, me and Carrie, we just pushed through and we got married, and then so I had to come to Prince George. You talk about Sri Lanka, you had no idea. I thought nothing existed past Crash Creek. So I just went mountains, end of the earth, right? <laughs> so came and I thought, wow, they have like paved roads all the way up here. And I remember driving one time from the lower mainland to Prince George going like 170 because I went, there's no police. And I get most of my tickets in Williams Lake now. <laughs> so, um, so that was always a culture shock. The cold was a culture shock. But a lot of the good things, I, so when I got married pastor marlowe he said you and carrie are going to create your own history now and i went okay and i went what did what would that look like so i looked at like the western culture there's a lot of pros and cons and then looked at like my culture and i looked at there was a lot of pros and cons so i've adopted a lot of sri lankan culture into like my family now so my my girls i teach them all like have respect for anyone that's older than you everyone's a we don't call them auntie and uncle because then people would get totally weirded out i think but everyone's a missus or at least a miss or a mister so we don't ever like do the whole first name thing so that's a little bit little bit respectful thing that i added into the, the culture um coming and I actually like to joke around. We talk about cultural differences. I looked at Carrie's culture. She's Dutch. And I'm like, ooh, I'm probably the best brown Dutch guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. So I just went, another culture? I'm going to incorporate it. So I eat, like, all the Dutch foods. And I know how to cook some of their stuff. So, like, I had, like, um, cultural challenges. One of the biggest one is growing up in Sri Lanka, um, just you, just having – here there's a it's, – it's a bigger issue. But, like, in Sri Lanka – like deception and manipulation is not viewed so negatively. It's almost very normal. If everyone does it to each other, it's not wrong. If we're all like ripping each other off, it's just common practice. So I grew up in that. So I came and I tried to pull some of those on Carrie. I learned that you can't do that here. So that was like all fail for my part. But it was also good because Marlo was working me through out of all these things. He goes, you can't do that. If you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. Um, being a man of your word is very important. Being accountable is very important. People rely, like your wife will rely on security and all those types of things. And so in Sri Lanka, that's all like foreign. Yeah. So um, we've taken that and Sri Lankan good stuff and we, we put it all together and we have this Dutch Sri Lankan kind of family. But it's our own thing. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. So um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Nice. It's just kind of taking the best <laughs> of all of it, right? There's so much good in Canadian yeah. Yeah. culture, whatever yeah. that might be. And yeah. it, it's so all over the board, right? Because yeah. everybody from here is from different places. Yeah. And then Sri Lankan, there's so much good to take out of it. Yeah. So you, you pick the best yeah. and you create your For own. For example, <laughs> every weekend, me and my girls, we have tea time. Nice. So we'll have a little tea and biscuit or cake or whatever it is. Yeah, thank you. That's thank you. It's good to hear. I've had... Good, very good tea. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's from Sri Lanka. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so now going back to... Thanks for asking the question. I think you're probably one of the first questions. That's you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. So um, now going back to the Bud Center, you had everything, whether it's like a ministry or a business or a home or what a family, it all has humble beginnings. What did that look like when you were just starting, when the seeds were planted and you're like, now we need to have a physical building structure. There's got to be land. We have to have money. We have to have people supporting. We have to have churches supporting that. So what did the beginning stages, first two, three steps look like for you to get this ball rolling? Yeah, there was lots of things. Um, we did a whole lot of um, searching and digging and 
things. Like we had um, Auntie Trisha help us start a charity in Canada. Yeah, love her, miss her dearly. dearly, And she was such a cheerleader for what we wanted to do. But even starting a charity in Canada wasn't enough because it's like, that's still in Canada. How do you bring that over there to start this? And But it was a stepping stone, right? And and she was a step in our beginning of the dream. And then there was conversations with like Arlo and Marlo, grandpa and uncle, uh, over our dreams and our plans. And sometimes there was, you know, sometimes they'd be like, well, I think you should go do this first. Mm-hmm. And then once you've, you've learned through that, then we'll go this. And then there was some little bit of, uh, backlash and on part like no we're so sure we're mm-hmm. so confirmed in our hearts that God wants us to take the step of faith that could you just stick with us and believe with us in this and you know sometimes uh, conversations that were tough but just pressing through and ultimately these people ended up being the most proud of us in the outcomes and the biggest supporters of us and you know, financially, um, there was lots of like, how do we go through? Do we go under an organization? Do we work independently? Does Westside just send us alone? Um, lots of things. I know through Auntie Trish, she created an opportunity for us to receive somebody's life insurance, mm-hmm. a lady in the church, and therefore we got the finance to build uh, the building through um, niche painting, mm-hmm. paintings and fundraising that way, plus some support through Westside. We bought the property. Um, a lot of volunteer work. A lot of volunteer, a lot of uh, our own creativity and ways and a lot of sharing our heart with different people and getting them on board to contribute. Like it was such a community effort on many levels. And then the tricky thing is we weren't living in Prince George. We were in Alberta, but Mm -hmm. it ended up being a blessing in disguise. We kind of went to Alberta because my immediate family were there. And that was a hard thing for me because I was like going home meant Prince George. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I got on at a church as an administrator with the Pentecostal Assembly of Canada. And then we also, with them, same as we were doing at Westside, shared our dreams, shared our hopes, shared our plans. And they were like, you should become global workers. Yeah. And help, that would be an avenue of fundraising for you. So then it they took us under their wing in that department. So it was able to give us that launching pad of fundraising, then sending us out and us able to have a support that would help in the operations. So Westside definitely came in the area of like land purchase, the building structure and some longtime support plus this other avenue, which would be a great thing for Anish because he was a permanent resident of Canada and he needed to keep his foot in the door. And this kept us working with a Canadian organization, which we were employed by and all those things. So it's just been like everything and a culmination of so many things and so many people that stand behind us in this ministry. uh, Isn't it amazing how when you're in motion... God just opens doors. Yeah. Like you just, that whole idea of like, you can't steer a parked car. Yeah. You just stay in motion and he'll just kind of take you here and there. Like yeah. it's amazing. Eh? Like great examples. Yeah. yeah. Just being obedient. Yeah. And people uh, being obedient mm-hmm. and uh, community. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it looked like here in Canada. What did it look like in Sri Lanka? So like you're getting fundraising and money and Pastor Marlowe and, and Trish doing her thing. And so that was all happening here. What was happening there? Because you had to secure land. You had to pick candy. How, how did I, uh, what was happening there? Well, candy is uh, my city. Like so you chose I, candy because you're because from Because that's candy. where I was born. Yeah. And uh, there was lots happening. But before that, we both worked quite lots. In candy. In candy yes. and together, right? Because... That's how we started. And uh, land, getting land was a miracle and a testament itself, actually, because it was sold before to a person and somehow he couldn't pay it. Uh, We were interested about the land and then we were like, oh, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But then we kept praying. Actually, that's one thing we did. We prayed quite lots about our ministry and uh, the work we wanted to do. Anyway, the land came back to us. And... um, we didn't have money to pay for that. Then we talked to the guy, the guy, same guy who got the land back because the person who bought it couldn't pay it. But we asked him, ask him, like, can we pay monthly? Mm-hmm. Then anyway, it's open the door and mm-hmm. we were able to pay and uh, and we got the land and it's a hilly land and people came and said, you can't build there. Mm-hmm. you know. But we knew God has a plan for this place and 
even at the churches we shared some churches the seeds we plant and the treasure we found there mm-hmm. and anyway it's it's beautiful area mm-hmm. and uh, today this three four buildings mm-hmm. um, building is not the thing but it's the it's grown the growing yeah. and the work of god yeah. it's quite amazing how many there. years has it been now so from like start to where we are today the bud center and that whole project so we arrived the end of 2013 we built the center in the year of 2014 so 10 years. building in sri lanka yeah. takes about a year yeah. and then we established it in 2015 so 10 years of 10 years. uh operating now. yeah amazing yeah. Yeah. yeah so and you did all of this while trying to raise a family yeah Did you get a chance to introduce your kids? No, we didn't. Can you do that now? Yeah, so um we had our first child in Canada, Anisha, yeah. um in 2011. Yeah. And uh we actually struggled to have kids. It took a long time and so she was a real gift, a real blessing, something that we were over the moon yeah. for because as ministers of children, we of course yeah. love children and wanted our own. And um I actually said I had a fear of like the medical system of Sri Lanka so I was like yes I'll have my kids in Canada okay, yeah. but never over there yeah. and then sure enough um we arrive in Sri Lanka and I'm not feeling well <laughs> and I found out we're expecting again so I'm like oh god you're really funny here like you've now brought me here and I'm going to have to walk through something I said yeah. I wouldn't want to do baby I, number 2 yeah baby number 2 but we welcomed it we embraced it I took on the challenge and actually um I wouldn't change a thing about it yeah. uh and then we had our Michaela Michaela's um, number yeah she's number two yeah uh in 2014 and then uh Jaden our son mm-hmm. which he's a real gift because actually um Nisha's family is complicated some of the siblings have different last names and the other it's not because of different parentage or anything it was just like the parents were like oh this last name sounds better with this child's name so anyways to carry on the Kandangama name mm-hmm. there was going to be nobody um cuz all his brothers with the Kandangama name had all had girls so oh, yes. we we knew we if we had a boy we'd be the only uh one that carries on this name sure enough baby number 3 is yeah. a boy yeah. 2016 jaden came along and uh so we had our three and again being lovers of kids we were just like the more the merrier <laughs> how much, so you're wanting yeah four We have four now. Were you, you were wanting four right from the beginning. Yeah, well, okay. I I remember actually this was another thing Nish talked to, and I talked about before we got married is how many kids you want. I'm sure you and Carrie maybe had that prior yeah. to marriage. Most yeah. people do. Yeah. And uh I was like I want four and he's yeah. like I want two. So then we thought we'd meet in the middle. We thought we were okay with two three. <laughs> two and a half. We thought we were okay with three, but I really I guess I'm stubborn. I really wanted to get my way. And yeah. uh our fourth child came quite a few years later uh and so we had her during the covid pandemic of all times uh we had our kyla right yeah all so only anisha's born in yeah, canada she's the, only the other Canadian three all born. sri lanka yeah. yeah and so they're all dual citizens they all have uh, certificates of citizenship for mm-hmm. canada the last three um and they all have canadian passports mm-hmm. and the only one stipulation with their uh the citizenship thing they've got is if they remain outside of Canada and say they marry a Sri Lankan or somebody out of another country their kids don't have the privilege of mm. being Canadian um that was something new that came up but uh, that's the only thing mm-hmm. yeah so living this like missionary lifestyle for your kids how are they handling it It's, can you describe it through their eyes what do they see very busy parents yeah yeah I'll- I mean they love it like they're, being their hands on to serving yes. running getting this doing that yes, yeah yes. Um, that's why I was thinking like sometimes they do more than us oh, uh, yes. giving gospel because their kids they don't hide anything they yeah. will share about it even when Anisha went to school for one year mm-hmm. she would share about Jesus and even in village at the center they are not afraid right we have little boundaries like you know but they they don't care yeah. so who's your audience So when your kids are talking, your audience are they all Christians? No. They're, okay. They mainly be Buddhists actually. I was Even saying, when your daughter share, they're all she's yes, talking all Muslims Buddhist kids. Yes, Muslims and uh, wow. I know there's Hindus but uh, mainly Buddhists. Okay. So they will bring questions too. Like why is it like that? But mm-hmm. they will go and share the truth and yeah. that was the amazing thing thing and yeah, we always say we are a missionary family mm-hmm. and they are 
60%, maybe we have 40%. Yeah. They do lots. They do lots. Yeah. Yeah. Can you add more to that? Yeah, I just, kids do? our yeah. kids absolutely love their life in Sri Lanka. Like they've really, like we've been in Canada now three months and they're loving it here. But actually probably weekly, if not more, they're like, I'm ready to go back home whenever you, mom and dad are ready. And uh, so I'm just like, oh, I thought they'd be like almost bugging us to yeah. like stay here because school is awesome and friends are great and everything is great. Um, but they're ready to go back whenever that time yeah. comes. And uh, yeah, like we always say like, um, our family is the witness and our children are the witness. And I think, um, as a family, we do our greatest ministry if we're just emanating it in our life of like how we treat one another and how we treat our children and how our kids treat others and how we treat others. I think that's the biggest impact in our ministry is just the real stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So if I was to ask you, um, of your whole journey and you might need a minute to, to think about it, and that's okay. What's been the biggest, miraculous, most God-moving thing that's happened in the life of a missionary? It's kind of hard to pinpoint. Yeah. Like, I think we've had lots of miracles Or the biggest place. trial that you had to navigate through, yeah. and God just pulled you out of that. Or the government said no, but... God said yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I keep saying this repeatedly when we talk to people. The last four years have been our hardest yet in Sri Lanka. Yeah. COVID. Uh, COVID. Yeah economic situation like we had fuel issues we couldn't even cook with gas which is that way to we have propane tanks in our home for cooking with gas we couldn't get that we couldn't fuel our vehicles to go anywhere we couldn't turn on our lights like the government had turned off the lights we sat in the dark a lot yeah um and and god's still in motion yeah i think he was in motion the most and I think it brought us to a closeness in our community more than ever before because they all looked at us and said, well, you guys have an avenue to go. So you can go, you can get yourself out of this problem. Um, But because we stayed, I think that just like spoke to them so loud and clear Mm -hmm. of where our heart was for them, Mm -hmm. that we can walk through this hard season with them. And I think we've seen a lot of breakthroughs in lives. Mm-hmm. Like um, we've baptized uh, young people that attend the center. We've seen... Through all this. Yep. Yeah. We have seen moms that would have come to our center as young girls or even teenagers. And they've um, been like, remember me? Yeah. Like I was I was one of your first kids to the Bud Center. And they're showing up at church uh, upon their own choice on a Sunday morning. And they're bringing their little ones to church. Um, that's where it's just been like, wow, God, you've been at work. Yeah. Like, cause we can't testify that we had a conversation that brought yeah. them to church Sunday morning, but we can testify that we had built a relationship with them and they, um, reflected on s- some things that obviously were Christ loving to them mm-hmm. and it was attractive to them. And then they came seeking after it. Hmm. So those have been some real big things. Amazing. In staying on the theme of just talking about you and your family because you spent a lot of time a whole Sunday talking about the Bud Center. Outside of you talk about your kids and what they do, but what about mom and dad? What, what about the two of you? What do you do when you're not being a missionary? Because you have to, you, you need to be encouraged. You need to be sharpened. There's a thing you need to do. How do you guys take care of like yourselves? Like what do you do when you're not being a missionary and running the Bud Center? I paint. That's one thing I do. I you love, paint? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm an artist. So, so uh, all the photos we see on Sunday, a lot of that is you. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Some yeah. Art, artwork I do, and that's that's really refreshing. Yeah. And um, right now I'm doing a few. Um, yesterday I did two, and I, you know, it's it's not just painting, and I love to paint with worship, so it's giving me inspiration yeah. to do, and all. Yeah, that's refreshing for me, and... Yeah. We actually have one of your paintings in our house. Oh. Yeah, remember that? From like 10 years ago? The black background with the orange flower? Yeah. Yeah, you probably have hundreds you don't remember. Maybe I'm famous. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll have to show it to you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, good. That's, yeah, that's something we do. And yeah. in Sri Lanka, um, but center is actually not like always say nine to five. Yeah. We always have kids, evening, night, till 10 sometimes, you know, young young guys. Yeah. And that's actually refreshing for us. Mm-hmm. We have lots of time. It's more so than ministry. Yes. And yeah. uh, we get to share, we get to tell them and stories and, you know, lots of things and play games. Yeah. And our kids love that. And, 
Yeah, doing garden work with our kids. Yeah, is a, so you have gardens at the Bud Center. Yeah, yeah, that's nice we, and therapeutic. We do a little land, so we do lots of work like that yeah. with kids. I'd say for me, like we we try to take a vacation or something as a family um, in yeah. Sri Lanka, and Sri Lanka is like a hot spot for tourism. Yeah. So there's some beautiful destinations to go to. So we try to do that. The teardrop on Indian Ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite amazing. We've been really blessed to see. Actually, uh, following COVID, when things start to open up, we we. We couldn't maybe fuel our way there, but we would take other means of transportation, like a train or something, to get to a new destination. Mm-hmm. Um, we love hospitality. Like mm-hmm. I like to cook. I like to bake mm-hmm. uh, with my kids. I like to do that. Um, I, as a mom, all in it with young kids still. There's not a lot of free time on my hands, but honestly, even if it's like the kids have gone to bed and I'm doing my dishes and uh, there's time to be with God during that time, that's mm-hmm. refreshing for me. But uh, it's probably a little bit lacking in free time at this point in our stage in our life. But yeah, if, th- if there's something, I don't know if you talked about this on Sunday, when people are thinking about you guys or your family or Sri Lanka, can you think of a thing or two that they could pray for? Yeah, I would just say pray for the people. You know, people are very frustrated in the condition of the country that they would rather leave if they could. Um, But Nish and I, we keep saying if we we have a heart and a passion to see people stay put and there's people that can make a big difference in that country Mm -hmm. if they would just stay strong and and have avenues um, to provide for themselves to see a better future for that country because it's such a beautiful place and mm-hmm. such a beautiful people and they need to somehow find hope. And obviously that help comes from, hope comes from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so if they can put their focus there. And pray for resilience. Sri Lankans are pretty, pretty resilient. They are. They've had are. so many years of just they war are. and just issues, right? So, yeah. But that wears out too. So yeah. 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 And just pray for our family. Um, we're hoping to go at the end of January. We've got a whole lot coming up. We've got Tyler and Martha yeah. heading there, yeah. hopefully with us. Yeah. And they're waiting upon us. And then the West Side school team is mm-hmm. going. And we've got a whole lot of things on the go. So awesome. life has not slowed down. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, awesome. Can you speak in Tamil <laughs> no. something? And- no. Whoa. That's not going to happen. <laughs> just do a little blue. No. No. Let's no. hear some um, no. Tamil. How do you say, I love Sri Lanka and people? I, I don't think I've ever heard that coming out of anyone from Tamil. Mama Lanka Vatasai, Lanka Minisundasai. Enaka Sri Lanka Virupam. That's what I would say. Although I, I've never heard any Sri Lankan person say, I love Sri Lanka. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah. It's kind of like. I don't like, think they'd ever admit it. Yeah. It, yeah. No, awesome. Nish, Kristen, thank you very much for joining me for tea. And thank you, Westside, for joining in and listening to us. Have a good day. See you next time.